This week's podcast brought to you by Peppercorn Ranch. There's nothing better, as far as I'm concerned, than lying down with one of our kids at the end of a long, busy day, and you're staring at the ceiling, they're staring at the ceiling, it's dark, everybody's tired, you're about to fall asleep um, much more quickly than they're about to fall asleep, and these kind of Calvin and Hobbes conversations bubble up to the surface. When you, I'm done talking, but they can't, they can't shut it down for the day. So the other night, this was happening. You were out of town, and our seven-year-old daughter said, Dad, when you were born, were all the Beatles still alive? And I said, yes, actually, all, all four Beatles were still alive when I was born, and the Beatles were still together when I was born. And she said, was Elvis alive when you were born? And I said, yeah, Elvis died when I was 10 years old. She said, was it on the news? And I said, in fact, it made quite a bit of news. It was on the news quite a lot. And she said, without any segue, when you were a kid, car seats were like couches. And I said, that's right, they were. She said, I wish they still were. And I said, so do I. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. We're going to go into an all viewer mail episode today. But as we record this, you're on, what, 24 hours without sleep? Um, no, I'm, I've, I was able to get four hours of very interrupted sleep in, in the last 24 hours while you're, seated on an airplane. <laughs> you flew in on a red eye from L.A. via Washington, Dulles. That's correct. On the way out to L.A., our friend, your colleague, Holly Rowe, tweeted that somebody greeted you when you got off the plane with an 8 by 10 glossy of yourself for you to sign. And as Holly said, how do they know? Well, it was even better. Holly and I were on the same flight. We got to L.A. We got down, uh, didn't even go to baggage claim. We just went out to where we were going to catch an Uber. And a guy came over, and it wasn't even an 8 by 10. It was like an 11 by 14. It was a massive photo, and he had three of them. And he was having me sign them. And the best part was Holly was taking pictures. And I know to like make fun of me uh, immediately. And then as soon as he finished with me, he said, I've got some for you too. And he went over and he also had these massive 11 by 14 or whatever they would be photos of Holly that he had her sign. And the bizarre thing is neither of us had put on any social media that we were on the flight to L.A. Um, he could assume that that's where we were going because we were going to call the game there. But he had no idea what flight we were on. So I don't know if he was just staking out the airport. And um, I don't know how many different people he had photos of. But it was really weird. You don't think he's been driving to LAX every day for years with gigantic photos of you and Holly? I know. Just in case? I know. And I, I don't know. I mean, they were huge pictures. And... Um, yeah, I have absolutely no idea what has happened to them since then, well, but uh, it was a really, really bizarre way to be greeted. Uh, but I did appreciate that right before Holly had a chance to completely bust me for it, he then pulled out his pictures of Holly Rowe. And I, I fear that if I had gotten off the plane with the two of you, I would feel hugely inadequate to not have a guy there with an eight, 11 by 14 photograph of me. The only uh, one on the plane for whom he didn't have a photograph. I think anytime you're in the company of me and Holly, you probably feel hugely inadequate. <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly made to feel that way. Um, and I, I showed that tweet to our 12-year-old daughter, and she said, well, that's a little creepy and stalkerish. And, you know, it is a little creepy and a little bit stalkerish. Um, but... Uh, Today, our seven-year-old was playing with her brother's, a couple of his cars, almost like matchbox cars. And one of the cars that we have is a little um, limousine with the president's seal on it. That may, I, may I interrupt? Yes. The singular of matchbox is not matchbox. 
Did I say Matchbox? You said he was playing with one of his Matchbox cars. Matchbox cars. And um, and it was, you know, I had gotten it, I'm sure, one of the times I went down to do the brackets with President Obama. I'd probably gotten it at the airport, but it's a little Matchbox car, a limousine with the president's seal on it. And our, our seven-year-old came over to me today and, com- and completely sincere and she said, we should get one of these and put the Hall of Fame logo on the front of it instead, on the hood of it, and drive it to Minnesota next year. <laughs> and she was completely sincere. So I think that's a great idea. Next year when we go to Minnesota for vacation, we should get a limo, put the Hall of Fame logo on the hood, and have the family drive out to Minnesota. <laughs> that's the kind of thing you, you think is a good thing to do when you're seven. My fear is that's the kind of thing she will also think it's good to do when she's 27. Well, that particular child of ours, um, yes. Although the logos will change with whatever whatever passing fancy she has at the time. She's the one who said last night when you were in Los Angeles that uh, her brother, her nine-year-old brother, they were going to play a game together. They were going to be make a restaurant together. And whenever she asked him when they were going to do that, he said later. She was enraged when she was telling me the story. She said, he keeps telling me later, 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 later. And she started dancing in a rage as she kept saying later, later, later. He's like a conga line. (laughs) And then when I stared at her and started laughing, she could no longer keep a straight face and also started laughing. The day I, I flew to L.A. and was greeted by those 11 by 14 photos, I went uh, to Holly Rose apartment. Um, I think it's Manhattan Beach. And uh, while we were there, we went to, to an early dinner. And when we were at dinner at a really small sushi restaurant, I look over and Holly said to me, she's like, I think that's Steve Nash. And it was. It was Steve Nash having dinner with his wife and kids. Um, anyway, before he left, I had a chance to chat with chat with Steve and congratulated him on going into the Hall of Fame. And I can remember back to probably 1997, my rookie year in the WNBA, maybe it was 1998, being at some function in uh, in New York City. I think it may have been a, a all-star cafe opening or something weird and ended up sitting in a booth um, at with Steve Nash and his girlfriend at the time, my sister and I. And uh, I think this was probably when he around his rookie year in the NBA. And um, and just chatting and just so weird to then run into him again, however many years later. And and there's a, a site, an Instagram and uh, Twitter called WNBA Kicks. And one of the cool things about it, they show all the shoes that that all the, the different players in the WNBA are wearing. But they also unearth videos um, that they post on the site. And, and one video that they found recently that I didn't even know existed was from an event at the NBA store, and I think it was from 1999. And I'm sitting in an autograph line, signing autographs next to the four members of Destiny's Child. And two of them were wearing Houston Comets, like really tight fitting jerseys. And two of them, including Beyonce, are wearing New York Liberty jerseys. And I have a very vague memory of, um, of that appearance. But um, and I think I may have even ridden over with them in the car because my car was late to pick me up from the hotel. I may have gotten into a, a limo, <laughs> not with the president seal on it, that took me from where the hotel where I was staying over to over to the NBA store. Or that maybe that memory may be completely false. But it's so weird to see a, a video of an event that I, I almost forgot had even happened. You don't think Becky with the good hair was Becky Hammond, do you? <laughs> it could have been. It could have been. If people who remember Becky Hammond back in her days with the Liberty, especially early on, 1999 was her rookie year. Um, Sue Wicks used to, because Becky had these bangs that she clearly would use like a curling brush or a curling iron to curl away from her, for her, her forehead. And Sue Wicks used to say she had an awning on her forehead, and that's exactly what her bangs looked like. So yeah, perhaps that's what Becky with the good hair was about. Well, when our eldest, our oldest, eldest, oldest, oldest, eldest sounds like you're 140. Sounds like I'm 140. So you can say eldest. I'll say oldest. <laughs> no, that sounds like she's 140. Oh, right. She's right. 13. I know, I know this because 13 years ago, I was uh, in the son's locker room for something, and Steve Nash had just had or was about to have twins. You mentioned he has twin 13-year-olds. I don't know if you mentioned that or not. Yes. No, he because he, when I was talking to him, he had his one-year-old with him, his seven-year-old, and he said his 13-year-old twins were off were on the beach doing something. Well, he was asking how you and I were doing, you in particular, and I mentioned that you were 
with child, Destiny's child, in, yeah. in fact. And, um, and he asked if we had a name picked out. And I said, we didn't. And he said, well, they had twins or were having twins. I can't remember now. And uh, if they had a, and he told me their names. And if they had a third child or if they were triplets, their, their third name would have been Stella. So he said, you can have Stella as a name. And I love the name Stella, not just because it sounds close enough to my name, but uh, it's also the name of a beer. Uh, and and more Marlon, all you hear is Marlon Brando in your brain yelling Marlon Stella, Brando. of course. And, and you can imagine bellowing up the stars, Stella, <laughs> make your bed, right? Yes. But, but most importantly, you would have the story of how did you name your child Stella? Steve Nash gave me the name as one of his leftovers. And, and yet... We still didn't use it. Well, I was all for it, but I didn't have the final say. Right. That, you know, that is true. Um, you just like, I'm thinking about recovered memories. And, and we had a chance to cover, um, I had a chance to cover Lindsay Whalen's last game at home. And we were talking to her that morning at shoot-around. I was talking to her, and she was just talking about what a busy week it had been in a whirlwind because she had been doing so much media appearances, all kinds of things building up to this game. And, and you could tell that she was a little bit, you know, fatigued by that. And I just said to her, I said, you know, not that you should take any advice from me. I said, but one piece of advice I will give you. I said, right now, you don't think you'll care about it at all. I said, but have been her husband. I said, just have him write down like the different things you've done each day, you know, just keep a little calendar. I said, because you don't care about it now, but at some point you'll look back and people say, oh, do you remember this or do you remember that? And it's kind of nice to have a uh, recording of those things. Like I wish I had after I did my appearance with Destiny's Child written down, did an appearance with Destiny's Child today and Beyonce's a big fan <laughs> or whatever it would have been. You know, like when you're in the midst of craziness in your life, um, especially, you know, as an athlete or, or a person who's in a has an opportunity to do a lot of neat things. At some point, all you want to do is find your next nap. But uh, later on, you kind of wish you had documented some of the neat things you'd done. Well, that's good advice you're t- giving to somebody who is writing the second installment of his life story. Thank you. And I also like the suggestion that she have her husband, Ben, write this stuff down. Is Lindsay incapable of writing? I think you're leaving the false impression that she... No, I was just saying because she was so busy. I'm sure the last thing she wanted to do was to keep any kind of record of how busy she was. Meanwhile, he was was just playing the U.S. amateur at Pebble Beach. Right, and and taking it it to a playoff. But but he should write down all of her experiences with a little eraserless (laughs) golf pencil, right? (laughs) Yes, that's exactly how I envision it. That's how I write, by the way. (laughs) Shall we get to our uh, viewer mail? I think we need to get to our... It it really is this time voluminous. Our voluminous... Thank you, David Letterman. Our voluminous viewer mail. And luminous. Yes, it is both. Like your hair, it's both voluminous and luminous. (laughs) Just read it. (laughs) Kids, it's time to answer our voluminous viewer mail, which has uh, been piling up over the last five or six days. This is from Andy M. Andy writes, if someone were to say thank you to any of the Russian children, would they respond, you're welcome, or thank you? Or worse, thank you. I don't know. At the end of an interview on a, t- on a TV news program last night, Andy writes, he heard the interviewee respond, you're welcome, when he was thanked by the interviewer. He had to rewind it again just to listen. I can't remember the last time I heard that. I wanted to thank him, A, because I'm grateful he responded properly, and B, because I wanted to hear him say, you're welcome again. How do you, when somebody says to you, thank you, what do you say? Do you say, no, no, thank you? I think it all depends on the context of it. My my default is probably like if I've signed something and someone says thank you is to say, of course, like, you know, but um, but yeah, I guess you do say thank you as a response to thank you a lot more than people would say, you're welcome. What do you say? I usually say, my pleasure. And at least half the time I'm lying. But it sounds better than, you're welcome to me sounds like you're lucky. Right, right. Yeah, I, I don't know that you've ever said you're welcome when I've said thank you. I don't know. Maybe those pleasantries just completely go by the wayside. And I don't know what our children would say. We have to figure that one you're out, You're welcome too. is what I grew up being told to say and right, what I did say. But now I can't hear you're welcome without, without hearing a superior tone of, I've just bestowed a great honor upon you. Right, right. And like when you learn a foreign language, like for me, it was Spanish. If you say gracias, you say de nada. 
you don't say gracias and the other person says gracias too you know like it's just a weird thing no it wouldn't anyway. be if they said gracias you'd have to say gracias <laughs> gracias thank, thank you thank you um Anne wrote to us at ballandchainpod at gmail.com. She said, what is it with Rebecca and Psych, the TV show Psych? I've never watched the TV show Psych, but a few times people have told me that they use me. They use my name. Like it's a, something as a Rebecca Lobo jump shot or something as a Rebecca Lobo that says smooth or easy or I don't know as a Rebecca Lobo set shot. So I don't know, but there's some fan apparently of mine or the WNBA or maybe it's all um, in jest. I don't know. Is he or she a fan? Who writes for Psych. Or is it dripping with irony? Is it? I'm sure it it would probably be more um, accurate that it'd be dripping with irony. No, I I, I wouldn't assume that. I have no, but I have no idea. But it's it's cool that um, that that's the case. And and Anne also said in parentheses at the end of her email, um, and from your WNBA era blog, back when I was playing, I wrote a blog for WNBA.com called The World According to Me. She said, do you still dislike Fritos? I don't ever remember writing that I dislike Fritos. I don't generally eat Fritos, but I don't dislike Fritos. So I have no idea what context that was in. It was probably in some bad joke. If, but... you, don't, if you don't eat Fritos, you don't like Fritos. No, there's things I like that I don't eat. Aren't there things that you like that you don't eat? You just, you know, they're not the best thing for you, so you don't eat them? No, if I like them, I eat them, knowing that they're that they're terrible for me. <laughs> there are a lot of things that I like. Like, I like donuts. I just don't hardly ever eat donuts because I know that donuts aren't the best thing for you. you honestly, there's nothing that you like that you don't eat just because you know it's not you tell me. ideal for you. I, I don't know. You see what I eat? That's true. Yes, you, there's there's nothing that you don't eat that you do like. Um, we have a Gmail, which is ballandchainpod at gmail dot com. The Dorky Diva, who is a frequent correspondent, for the first time, I think we're getting her origin story behind the Dorky Diva self. Uh, I just thought it was because she was a Dorky Diva. But well, I, go ahead. I think it is. But when the Spice Girls, when the Spice Girls began, the Dorky Diva writes. I promptly dubbed myself Spazzy Spice, then Dorky Spice, and that morphed into Dorky Diva. I like it. So like there's it. the origins. What else you got from Dorky Diva? Well, you Diva? know, when she was in uh, her military band days, uh, sometimes she'd go out and not want to dance. And I think the uh, women were outnumbered vastly at these military dances by the men. On those occasions, I discovered that drooling while making eye contact usually was a great deterrent. The people who still came over, the people who came over anyway, received the widest berth. So if she didn't want to dance with someone, she would drool while making eye contact. I like that. That's fascinating to me. I'm going to start using that one. If someone comes up to me and is odd in any way, I'm just going to start drooling. Most of the men I know that wouldn't serve as a deterrent. (laughs) And for some of them, it would would serve as some kind of an accelerant. I don't know why this makes me think of this. And I, I don't know if I've told this story before, but I don't know however many summers ago it was where everyone in our family except for you had lice. We caught lice somewhere, and including me. And, and why didn't I have it? Right, exactly. Including me. And, I, you know, I was diligent about putting the shampoo in my hair and whatever. But I remember going to Phoenix to do a WNBA game. And this is a few days after I'd done the whole shampoo treatment, combed my hair for hours, d- done all of that. And uh, after the game, a woman said, can I have my picture with you? And I said, sure. And she took a picture, but it was a selfie. And so she put her head right next to mine. And I remember thinking at the time, well, I may be giving you lice. (laughs) I didn't say that to her out loud. But uh, I don't know why looking at somebody and drooling made me think of, I may be giving you lice. But that's all cleared up. It's been years since we've had lice in this house. And, and years since that lady showed that picture to people and said, Rebecca, this is the night Rebecca Lobo gave, gave me lice. Gave lice, I know. Well, there you go. And said, it, and said it joyfully. That's right. Here's an email from Jane. She said, my husband's favorite story from when we were engaged. Bill Russell was hosting Saturday Night Live. He wasn't a great host. My sister said, who's this guy? I responded, I don't know. They're really scraping the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> Phil... Her husband from the great basketball state of Indiana was horrified. And uh, you and I had a chance to, to ride on a flight with Bill Russell. We did an a, a event. Where were we? We were in Dallas. We were in we, Dallas. We, we flew out of Love Field. That's right. And we were on a Southwest Air, 
uh, Southwest Airlines airplane that was painted all NBA. They, they were uh, celebrating a sponsorship. And we were on the plane. Flying to L.A. To L.A. And uh, and Bill Russell was on the flight. And it's funny because he's Not kind of. Not only Bill of Russell. It was entirely NBA, uh, legends. NBA legends. Yeah. And yourself. Yeah, exactly. And, and you. And, um, you know, he's kind of notorious for for being quiet and and not outgoing, at least kind of his public persona. Well, you can imagine and, when you're when you're six eleven and you've won, or six nine and have won eleven NBA titles in thirteen seasons, people will tend to come up to you even at inopportune times. Well, and also the era in which he did it, and in the climate in our country at the time. Um, but anyway, he was telling stories on the plane. I just remember him in that an amazingly great laugh that he has just as he was hanging out with the other well, NBA players. On an and, empty airplane where everybody could have three rows to themselves, he was sitting with Bob Lanier. <laughs> and the two of them yeah. were just having like a great conversation and laughing laughing and busting each other's chops. And it 14 was... 14 feet of, of <laughs> NBA greatness. <laughs> yes. and uh, How would you like to get on, on a Southwest flight? And there's one seat left and it's between Bill Russell and Bob Lanier. I would love it. <laughs> yeah. I think a few people of our era would love it. That actually makes me think because Bob Lanier has been an ambassador for the NBA for years. And again, back when I was playing with the New York Liberty, I can remember doing, we would do events all the time at the NBA store. And I remember doing one with with Bob Lanier. And it was like a year or two after Michael Jordan retired. And one of the kids asked something about Michael Jordan and Bob Lanier said, oh, he retired. And the kids said, um, he got tired? How come he got tired? <laughs> and it was just so perfect because, of course, he retired because he got tired. And uh, But <laughs> the kid, like, looking at Bob Lanier, barely knowing who Michael Jordan was anymore, certainly not knowing anything about Bob Lanier's amazing career. But, um, but yeah, I will always have fond memories of Bill Russell. I didn't even know he hosted SNL, but I'll have fond memories of him just telling stories and laughing on that Southwest Airlines flight. And you may not remember this, but I do. You did an event when we were dating or engaged or just married, but still living in New York. You were at the NBA store again. You did an event with the great Bob Lanier, who was referred to in all references as Big Bob. Big Bob, And you were doing this in front of a group of New York school children. And when they went through the autograph line or took the q and I can't remember, one of the little kids said to Big Bob, they should call you Big Belly. <laughs> That's right. I do remember that. <laughs> yeah, because the kid was what? Maybe first or second grade, yes. like six or seven years old, um, where that would be a, <laughs> that would be a comment. Oh, that's so perfect. They used to do a bunch of events at that store. I can remember doing the um, doing an assigning with J.K. Simmons, who I now uh, love. I loved him in the movie Whiplash. And that was right when he when the Spider-Man movies were out. And um but doing an event with him and uh, again, farmers insurance. Yes, exactly. Again, I wish I had, you know, I'm glad you were there for some, for some of these to remember this stuff. But I wish I had kind of taken notes about all the funny and fun things that happened at that time. We have a, an email from Mitch. I know Mitch. Mitch in Milwaukee. Mitch is uh, a host of Milwaukee Public Radio, Wisconsin Public Radio. He's been kind enough to have me on his program. He will be horrified by my inability to string two sentences together on uh, this podcast, but he kindly listens and he and his wife were catching up and 14 year old daughter on the podcast while driving into Maine this summer. And he had a, he had a thought, his wife sent him to the drugstore to get dental floss. And as Mitch was scanning the myriad options, he writes, I was trying to remember whether there were always so much of everything in the health and beauty section. My memories of the drugstore are maybe just my grandparents' medicine cabinet largely involved three brands, which sound delightfully quaint today. Grecian Formula, Absorbine Junior, and Doan's Pills. Do you remember any of these? I, I, I know Grecian Formula. I Grecian don't, Formula I, was the, was the uh, it took the gray out. Hair, right? yeah, yeah, or yeah, or yeah. turned your hair gray. I can't remember. Major no, Solar no Fox or No one's the, trying to turn their hair gray. It turned, t- took the gray out of your hair. But well, what was the last one? I've well, never Absorbing heard of the last Junior. one. I, I do remember that Absorbing Junior's Wacky Pack... Uh, equivalent was absorbing senior. <laughs> the last one is Doan's pills. Yeah, I don't know what that is. But when my memory is, uh, it makes it makes Mitch curious whether thirty five years later the formula is still a, a closely guarded secret. And of course it was. There was no great product of that time. That the the uh, secret herbs and spices of Kentucky Fried Chicken, the right. secret recipe of Coca Cola. There was nothing worth worth marketing if it didn't have a secret formula. This the secret sauce on uh, on uh, the Big Mac. 
whether there's an absorbing the third special and Abdone has expanded his or her way. product special sauce or Not even and oh, well anyway um, you get the picture my memory of the medicine cabinet or even TV commercials now of course there are a million pharmaceutical commercials with 30 second uh, disclaimers about the side effects my memory was there were there were about three medical kind of unguent or pill commercials and they were for Rolades. Yeah. R O L A I D S. Rolades spells relief. Remember right. that? Yeah, of course. And any and, and a lot of commercials, you know, Anison, Bufferin, uh, Bear, where where there would be a, a silhouette of a human body. An yes. outline of a human and body. And you'd see the colorful liquid the, well, coating see, it. Yes, but you'd see you'd see a, a, a red pulsing star of pain somewhere in the body. Right. And then the colorful liquid would go in. In the case of Pepto Bismol, it coats and soothes. And then right. the, the body would be and painted pink internally, and it was very soothing to watch. And I just remember, pop, pop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Plop, plop, Oh, fizz, plop, fizz. plop. Yes. Okay. Uh, yes, exactly. And, and uh, Preparation H made you wonder if if it was they finally had a eureka moment. They tried Preparations A through G. <laughs> and when they got to H, it was like, we we finally, this is it. We've got it. And why Preparation? Shouldn't it have been Solution H and not Preparation H? I don't anyway, know. Anyway, well, and, and Formula Four Hundred Nine, which was a cleaner, not a medical product, but right. uh, formulas one through four hundred eight, <laughs> they didn't get it quite right. Yeah, who knows? Well, this. Uh, I wonder what our kids will think of our medicine cabinet. You and I are very fortunate in that we don't have to take medicine, and so the cabinet has like Advil in it, and then about a hundred mostly em- empty boxes of band aids, like Cinderella band aids you know, whatever, Star Wars Band-Aids, and, and, but each of them, when you open them, has like two Band-Aids in it because that is one thing we do go through pretty uh, readily. But this is, this is the thing. It makes me think of when we were on vacation a couple weeks ago with our friends. And we got back from the beach, and our friend Mike said, you know, I'll, I'll run to the grocery store. What do we need? I'll get this, this, and this. And I, I just took me a minute because my breath was taken away that he was offering to go to the grocery store. And you decided to go with him. And when you came home... Strictly he, to get out of the house and away from the domestic chaos. Right, get away from four, you know, well, seven, eight kids who needed to have beach sand showered off of them and all of that. And uh, anyway, when he came back, he said to his wife... It was like, I don't know that Steve's ever been to a grocery store before. He was completely in awe that you had, it was, I don't know, like you had been frozen caveman and that you had never been. I I, I didn't do well. He had a long grocery list and I said, give me one item and I'll go find it. Give me something to do. It was a crowded stop and shop. And the item that he gave me was a salad dressing called peppercorn ranch that, that's not what it, that's the flavor no, of no, the dressing right. but yes no, peppercorn no, right, right. ranch so i went to the salad dressing aisle and there were all kinds of ranch dressings yes. and all kinds of peppercorn dressings the problem was there was no peppercorn ranch and i began to wonder if this was a, a practical joke if i was chasing down a non-existent thing if he was referring to a a, a nevada brothel called the peppercorn ranch <laughs> i don't know but i couldn't find it and then i sent him back for it and he was able to find one bottle of one brand of peppercorn ranch. Well, when I went to the grocery store today, and since he had told this story, I was in the salad dressing aisle, and so just as a challenge to myself, I said, all right, how long is it going to take me to find a bottle of peppercorn ranch? And it was about 26 seconds. It's not that difficult. If you if you go to a grocery store and actually go to the aisles where the food is, um, other than just you know the frozen food, you, it's not that difficult. Well, today I was with our... 13-year-old who's going into high school at, at a large office supply superstore where she was getting her back-to-school supplies, her school supplies. For the first time in her life, she doesn't have a list of school supplies. She's just getting what a 10th grader has told her she needs in ninth grade. And that included several three-subject notebooks and a couple of one-subject notebooks and no five-subject notebooks. And while we were looking around staples for these things in the notebook section, she was choosing colors and you know, college rule or all that stuff right. that you forget about. Uh, there was a lady muttering to herself and then later to her son before I finally staged an intervention because I wanted this to go on as long as possible. I don't see any two subjects. Where are they keeping the two subject notebooks? And finally, I had to break it to her that there are no two subject notebooks, <laughs> at least not at Staples. They come in quantities of odd numbers, one, three, three and, and five. five. If you need a two subject notebook, you have to buy two one subject notebooks or 
one three-subject notebook and uh, not use one-third of right, it. Right, right. It's it's so difficult. Well, when but, I was, but I was beginning to think that I was sent. I had been sent in search of the salad dressing equivalent of a two-subject notebook. When, um, while you were there with our oldest, that when, that was when I was at the grocery store with our seven, nine, and now twelve-year-old children, and. Uh, I have not gone to the grocery store with those three kids in a really long time because, of course, during school I go by myself and during the summer I might have to go with one or the other. But it was just unreal. They're fighting over who's pushing the cart and then if they can jump on the cart and then can I grab the watermelon, the whole watermelon, and put it in the cart? And our seven-year-old is the one who ended up picking it up, but of course her arms are too short to place it in the cart. It was unbelievable I'm, I'm I was thinking I have not wanted more than any other time for school to start than right now as I'm not trying to navigate the grocery store with these three kids but at least it's important because our son by the way now knows where the peppercorn ranch our nine-year-old knows where the peppercorn ranch dressing is located Lauren our resident educator said I was thinking that it would be fun to be able to see you guys doing the podcast, either video or photo. I have this image of Rebecca kicking Steve under the table every now and again. Love the podcast. Anyway, so as I'm reading this, I'm taking a video so she can see that it indeed is not all that fancy. I will post this on uh, Instagram after this podcast is released. We're in the basement. Two TV trays, two TV tables, and um, two boxes. Arrowbed boxes, empty arrowbed boxes with microphones set up on them. Yeah, it's, um, it's a pretty glamorous operation. It's a gra- glamorous podcast life we lead. Uh, Tom writes, this is in reference to a previous viewer mail, I believe. Uh, Tom wrote in a couple of weeks ago and said that uh, his worst parenting moment, or at least one of them, was um, when he yelled at his kid to eat his effing green beans. Only he didn't say effing. Right. And uh, you must have asked. I said, I hope from now, from that moment forward, they were always referred in their house, referred to in their house as effing green beans. Well, Tom writes uh, to ballandchainpot at gmail.com. Good morning. Here's the answer to Rebecca's question. Yes. Ever since that day in our house, green beans are known as effing green beans. (laughs) I also mentioned on the previous podcast that I don't love the the word colorways, as in you mentioned these particular shoes shoes came in several colorways. Why not just say colors? Well... Kathy sets me straight. I've seen the term colorways in fashion and home decor when an item is available in multiple color combinations. The key is combinations. She, she left off a silent dummy. Right. Uh, the key is combinations. Example, this shirt is available in two colorways, blue, white, and gray, or, or and I like this example, taupe, cream, and black. <laughs> My law firm, taupe, cream, and black. Wizard of words, though you are, Steve, you might not come across uh, that term much. Rebecca used colorways appropriately and was not being pretentious. Well, obviously, the only one who has ever been accused, I'm sure, in this marriage of being pretentious is you, not me. Well, I also feel, in your phrase, hugely inadequate in the presence (laughs) of you and Holly Rowe. Anyway, Kathy's very nice. She writes, "I, I think she... There's a missing word in this sentence. She writes, I the pod and rock the swag here in Tennessee. I'm glad she's rocking the swag in Tennessee. I don't know if she's saying I hate the pod, I love the pod, I like the pod. The, the word is missing, but it says I, I the pod. I blank the pod. I blank the pod. This is like a match what game. What was that game? Yeah. I won the something. I too the something. Oh, I won the skunk. When you were a little kid, I too the skunk. No. And you wanted to get it to the place where the other person would say, I ate the skunk. Oh, and, oh, weird uh-huh. Willie was so weird. Right, right, How weird right. was he? He blanked Chuck the skunk. Who was that? Gene Rayburn. Oh, Gene Rayburn. This is one from Amy, and she says, I love the show, so our podcast is now a show. She said, I've never borrowed workout clothes from a hotel, but it reminded me of a summer league basketball game when our coach gave us wet jerseys to play in. The school always kept the jerseys, I guess in fear we would forget them. He said he had just taken them out of the wash and didn't have time to dry them before coming to the game. In the last time out of the game, he told us, it's sweat, not wet. Apparently, someone forgot to bring our school jerseys, and he borrowed them from the varsity and had played a ha- who had played a half hour before us. Before us, definitely not an experience I would ever like to repeat. So they wore sweaty, gross jerseys that had just been worn. Now, when I coach uh, the kids' basketball team, I have a I bought a bag and I have I don't know fifteen pennies in it. 
And I always wash them because I just have the memory of being in high school and you'd grab the pennies in gym class or at practice or whatever and they stunk, especially if the, the boys wore them. They just had this built-in complete stank. And so I now, and I tell the girls, these jerseys have been washed, I promise they smell good. But just the thought of wearing a soaking wet stank jersey. It's like when we used to sometimes scrimmage um, guys in, in the off season when we just play pickup. And sometimes the guys would go on, their team would be skins. And I hated it because you'd go to put like a forearm on somebody defensively and your arm just slid Fly. down their body because they were so sweaty and gross. And of course, women never play skins. So you don't ha- wouldn't have that experience playing as a woman. And that was like just the most disgusting thing, that film of sweat that your arm would just slide down. In SNL, who did that commercial? No, and, it, was, uh, it was a Ben Stiller movie where he played. That's right, that's uh, right. Uh, and, his, and they're playing pickup and his face just gets in the guy's uh, chest. The guy's chest. Oh, so gross. Well, Jessica writes, uh, hello, Stephen, Rebecca. I'm writing to you from the small town of Fulda, Minnesota, F-U-L-D-A. I know Fulda, Minnesota, the hometown of Pat Royce the Minneapolis Star Tribune columnist and Royce's uh, from radio Fulda? Person. He's from Fulda. But that's not why she's writing, and she doesn't mention Royce. But she's met you twice, once outside the restroom at the Women's Final Four in Dallas, which I suppose is better than inside the restroom. Um, they're both they're interesting both places meet, to meet someone. Well, in this case, she says, where you were very nice to stop for a quick photo. I guess outside there is preferable. Yes, yeah. um, and uh, the second encounter was also at the Women's Final Four in Columbus this past spring. At the ESPN meet and greet, I was the one who brought you the bag of Rice Krispie treats with the one-liners written on the bag. This was amazing. There was this meet and greet, and it was just the ESPN people. So Holly Rowe, I think, Kara Lawson, myself, uh, Maria Taylor, Coach Landers. And I don't know how many people were there, maybe 20. And this woman came over, and she had a bag of Rice Krispie treats. And during the NCAA tournament, Maria Taylor, Coach Landers, and I always joke because... Coach Landers will go to the cafeteria in the morning and he always brings us Rice Krispie treats because we're in in the studio for 12 hours or whatever it is. And sometimes we have a little snack of Rice Krispie treats. And so not only did she bring all of these Rice Krispie treats, the kind that you buy at the store in like the shiny blue wrapping, but then on each one of them, she wrote one of the catchphrases like Coach Landers, get off my lawn or, you know, something that Maria might say. Each one had a different one, and it was um, it was spectacular. It was just really thoughtful, nice. She had some ca- things written on there from the podcast. Anyway, I hope to run into her again soon because uh, she was terrific. And you're hungry. And I, exactly. <laughs> Steve writes, uh, Rebecca and Steve, this hangs in our high school library in Newberry Park, California. Not quite as scary as Rebecca's post-Tennessee game visage. We mentioned in a previous podcast that there was a, a picture of you so frightening from the front page of the Hartford Current that uh, it caused your mother to fall down the basement stairs, uh, breaking it her wrists and our, and our daughter's It caused considerable physical trauma to two members of our family. But yes. the poster that Steve includes from his library in California is a read poster. You're reading, you're, you're, you're doing what most people do. You're standing on a ladder, leaning on a basketball hoop while reading The Giving Tree. I remember they, they wanted to, to take a picture of me um, for this poster that would hang in school libraries, and they asked me my favorite book, and I, and, or favorite children's book, and so I said, The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein, still absolutely one of my favorite books of all time. And, 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 and uh, certainly the most terrifying author photo of all time, if you yeah, know what right. I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, especially from what um, what was the his famous poetry book that every kid Where the read? Sidewalk yeah, Ends. Where the Sidewalk Ends, and there was that black and white picture with him and his shaved head and yeah, his beard. It's on and, the Giving yeah, Tree as well. Yeah, he just Scowling. Got, yes, exactly. Which is nothing like your author photo, which is on Stingray Afternoons, where your bald head and clean-shaven face is smiling. And I have to say, whoever took that picture had a really nice knack for capturing the best of you. Who did take that picture? I don't remember. <laughs> I do. You know, when you're, when the book came out on paperback earlier this summer, I did check to see if it still listed me in, in, in the author photo on the uh, on the jacket of the Author paperback. photo, Rebecca Lobo. Yes, exactly. It may even say author photo, copyright Rebecca Lobo. <laughs> yeah, it should. Well, what, what I have, the only thing I have in common with Kurt Vonnegut, Kurt Vonnegut was married to um, perhaps the most famous... Uh, photographer of of authors, uh, Jill Kremens, who took hundreds of dust jacket photos of famous authors. And uh, the reason I know this is because when I moved to New York, 
I stayed for two months at the apartment of the guy who got me my job there, Alex Wolf, while he was overseas, and his next door neighbor, he lived in an apartment building, and the entire townhouse next door uh, belonged to Kurt Vonnegut and his wife. Really? Did you ever see Kurt Vonnegut? I could see him walking the dog. Really? Not not, not an actual dog, with the yo-yo. <laughs> Did you ever speak to him? No, of course not. Of course not. This one comes from Twitter, which is at Ball and Chain Pod. This, I think, is for you, Steve. It's from Tanya. She says, your mention of the Red Owl grocery store, you mentioned the Red Owl a, a few pods Frequently. back. She said, stayed with me all day, and finally I placed where I have heard it before. This morning, I realized it is from a series I read, the Minnesota-based Hannah Swenson murder series. Definitely a series mixed between Minnesota Nice and Minnesota Spice, because I called, said Lindsay Whalen once was Minnesota Spice. Have you ever heard of that series? Hannah Swenson murder series? No, but if it if it's, if it's, uh, features Red Owl, I'll be reading the entire series. There you go. Here is another tweet, and, uh, and, and, and this is a retweet of someone else, and it says, When your Uber driver gets pulled over on the way to the airport, and the cop delivering his ticket says, quote, So, you have warrants, but since you have passengers, I'm going to be nice and not arrest you. And so I looked at this kid's profile. He looks like a 20-something-year-old young man. His, he was in an Uber that got pulled over and found out that his driver had warrants. That would be an interesting Uber driver confession. I was once in an Uber and my driver was playing warrant. <laughs> That's a reason to get pulled over, too. That's when I flagged down a cop and, and asked to be pulled over. Here's another Uber driver confession. Jerry says, I'm in an Uber traveling from Minneapolis to Viking training camp. The driver is Minnesota nice, but confesses he knows neither Steve nor Rebecca. He is now educated and will consider purchasing Stingray Afternoons. My work is done here. Thank you, Jerry. Thank Jerry you. may have turned to, turned someone on to Ball and Chain Pod and sold a copy of Stingray Afternoons. On the other hand, whenever somebody says they're going to purchase the book, yeah, they don't. They're not even taking no. it out of the library. It's delightful to hear from people uh, who have bought and read or checked it out of the library or saw it on a shelf and declined to buy it. But generally, if you have to twist somebody's arm in an Uber... It's going to be a tough sell. Well, today, I, I after getting back from grocery shopping, I tweeted something about, you know, nothing makes me want school to start more than taking my kids grocery shopping. And I already got some responses from that on Twitter. Someone said, yes, I'd rather starve than take my kids with me grocery shopping. <laughs> so there you go. And then this person, Joe, said, if the choice is between taking my one kid grocery shopping and not eating, I occasionally pick not eating. I can't understand the multiple kids grocery store trip. Well, our kids were hungry. We had I'm, I was back from a road trip, so of course I meant we had no food. So because I'm the person we, who would rather starve and and, and starve and them, so. yes, than uh, than try to find peppercorn ranch salad dressing. <laughs> it's been too long since we've heard from Dr. Gary Siegel, oh. so I just I do want to read um, our resident OBGYN, our resident OBGYN, who. Um, this is from late July, said, uh, checked in to say he listened today during exercise, but thought of extra fries. <laughs> oh, God bless his heart. This is my favorite part, though, of Dr. Gary Siegel's email to us. He said he, um, he enjoys when we have guests on. Uh, Tom was great. Uh, the podcasts are a joy, even better with guests such as Tom Denny and the nice couple whose name I can't recall, but he was kind enough to teach Steve how to change the air filters. That's Mike and Christine Golick. The nice couple whose name I can't recall, but he was nice enough to teach Steve how to change the air filters. Meanwhile, you still have not changed the air filter in the attic. When Mike was here, he changed the one in the basement. We have two in the house. That was six months ago, Steve. But how genuinely lovely is it that Dr. Gary Siegel didn't know Mike Golick and now knows him exclusively as a guy who changed right. our air filters. <laughs> yes, that's uh, that is lovely. Uh, Mary Z would like to uh, us would like Denny Denny with one N to add something to the swag list. Uh, Mary Z recent pleasure of giving bas giving her basketball wife a ball and chain birthday. Thank you for sending the swag, which I included with a hard copy of Stingray Afternoons. She was thrilled, but it made us realize that Denny, with one N, is missing the mark, in quotation marks, with the swag. He has to add a bookmark to the mix. A ball and chain bookmark. That's a great idea. Denny, with one N. It's time for you to get on that. And finally, Stuart um, 
writes, uh, I consider my faults endearing and my wife's annoying. I, I think Stuart's not alone in this. That sounds about I also, right. I also find Stuart's faults endearing and his wife's <laughs> annoying. There you go. But he, he says, um, last thing, Steve, what's your favorite palindrome? And it's interesting Stuart asked this because uh, just today I was playing a card game, Exploding Kittens, with uh, our seven-year-old. And that's not a term we use here. That's actually the name of the game is called Exploding Kittens. Right. Yes. Um, and uh, sent to me by our friend Franz Lids. And Taco Cat is one of the cards. And, of course, Taco Cat is a great palindrome and is the name of a taco joint in Minneapolis and I assume in other places. But Taco Cat is a, is a great palindrome. But my favorite palindrome is and always has been, since I first heard it as a kid, uh, go hang a salami, I'm a lasagna hog. And that's usually the reaction I get when I say palindromes <laughs> around you, Rebecca. I, I, I am partial to the palindromes that you make up because it's a it's a skill. And it just happens, what, once a year you'll come at, come at me with a palindrome that you have thought of. And it's usually in relation to some sporting event that's on TV. And um, th- th- those impress me. When I was a kid and worked at Met Stadium on the soda line, there were two kinds of pop, orange sunkist and Coke, the full octane Coke. I turned to my colleague on the on the line, Dave Mullen, and said, "Evade Eve, Dave." And how old were you? I was thirteen. And what was his reaction? I, I believe he 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 threw a full sun kiss in my face. <laughs> he didn't. Nobody realizes that they're palindromes or cares. And. So as you were selling sodas, you your brain just thought of a palindrome. I wasn't even selling them. I was just pouring them. Just pouring them. and that's, But that's where your brain goes, where no one else goes. What's the start? My, my brain goes where, where, where no brain dares to go, <laughs> yes, where no where, brain has gone before. Where no yes, brain has yes. gone before, yes. So that's the viewer mail. I think we've cleared out the inbox, more or less. And that's not a euphemism for anything. Um, the swag that we haven't sent out. If you've asked for swag and haven't gotten it, I'll, we'll send it out this coming week. We've been a little lax in that. We've been a little bit busy in these parts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, everybody's busy. That's no, no excuse. I'm just saying that we've been busy. They'll get their swag. Um, wait a minute. We can't let people go without, even though it's a, a viewer mail but, episode. But, but before, before we do that, before yes. we do that, there are still two states. Oh, two states in the United States that ambivalent are ambivalent to swag free. Um, the, the, it's it's a race to see which of the two states has the best taste in all of the USA. And those are those states are Delaware, Delaware, and West Virginia. I, I'm not. I'm still surprised by Delaware, West Virginia. Eh, I'm still surprised by Delaware. And I'm me, surprised you haven't just given Elena Deladon, Delaware's most famous uh, citizen. I can't believe that Vice President Biden hasn't asked. For me to, to mail him one, former vice president. Here's a question, because I saw some... I can't believe that the University of Delaware alumnus Joe Flacco hasn't requested a magnet. I, I'm, I'm stunned by that. Um, I want to ask you this, because somebody wrote in something about swag, and they spelled it S-C-H-W-A-G. Schwag. I, 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 I thought it was just S-W-A-G. I think that's a, a stylized, you know... That's just an extra... If you were... If you were Less out of touch than we are, which doesn't take much. Perhaps that's a thing that people say. Schwag. We'll have to ask Denny with one end. We'll have to ask Denny with one end. And uh, anyway, it is time for the Holly Row Minute. This episode still gets a Holly Row Minute. It, uh, people are pining for the Holly Row Minute. So. Well, speak, speaking of pine, we're going to have to start st- stocking up like winter cordwood. We're going to have to start stockpiling Holly Row Minutes. We're well, maybe we, running low on Holly Row Minutes. Soon, but we still have some, so now it's time for your Holly Row Minute. And now, a report on the news of Holly Row. And Holly Row, let's go down and check with you. So the story that I had hoped to bring up on the podcast that I don't know if it's going to make it or not, but um, one time I brought my son to visit here, and I brought him as a hostage. He did not know we were coming here, so we'd been at Doris Burke's house with Beth Mullins and had a great time, and he was sunburned and tired and exhausted. How old is he? He was probably 19, 18 or 19, like a really cranky age where they just are had enough when they've had enough. So we get in the car. We're driving about an hour from Doris Burke's house, and I promised you that I'm going to come visit because I'm in the neighborhood. And instead of going to the hotel where he thinks we're going... 
we come to your house, but he's fallen asleep. And so he doesn't know until we pull into your driveway. He wakes up disoriented and he's like, where are we? And I'm like, just get out of the car. Come on in. And, and you're four very boisterous, adorable, loving, yet very boisterous and loud children welcome my grumpy 18-year-old, and I had held him hostage to come to the I remember the that. McKylan gets out of the car, and his hair is like a little disheveled, and, and he had always been, before that, so pleasant to be around. And he, he loves you, yeah. He's a ter- terrific, terrific kid, and he was not happy to be here. And, oh, and by the way, we're having a family dinner with all of the children and Steve. So the only way we got to him and he warmed up was we started playing this game heads up where you're describing words and he and Steve became the wordsmiths and built this great rapport. So I always loved that the only way we softened up my son in his cranky period was he liked Steve Russian. And if it makes him feel any better, I've often woken up disoriented in our driveway as well. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm pretty sure I'm the only person that's held my child hostage to come and visit my local Steve Russian. (laughs) Most of our visitors are here under duress. Thank you, Holly. Thank you, Holly, with two L's. Thank you, Denny, with one N for producing this mess. And uh, the only people we have left to thank and to have play us out are our house band, Tom, Dick, and Harry, Do Your Thing. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pad live in the cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, while we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.